Hello, welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name's Simon Thompson, your host for today. Wonderful to have you back for episode 85 of the Meraki Unboxed podcast that we run every two weeks. I'm super excited because we're actually in the office. And uh, this is the first time I've recorded an episode uh, sat in the office in one of our meeting rooms here uh, since before the pandemic started, March 2020. It seems like an eternity ago. Uh, so I'm super excited to uh, to be back here and um, I'll introduce our guest in just a moment. Uh, but just a quick reminder before I do that, as I always say, uh, we are all about trying to serve you, the listener, uh, with interesting and engaging content relating to the technology and the people that make Meraki happen. And so I would love to uh, get you on the podcast if you'd like to be a guest on here with a story to tell, uh, or if you just have an idea for something you'd like us to cover. Uh, that's really um, a great idea. It's really good good to get your feedback. Try and make this uh, podcast as, as good as we can as we race towards 100 episodes. I'm not sure that's early next year, I think, but I'm, I'm excited, obviously, about hitting that milestone. Um, so thank you for tuning in once again. And if you are here for the first time, please do subscribe. Just find us on your favorite podcast app. Very easy. Just search for Meraki Unboxed and uh, you'll be able to uh, to subscribe right there, and then you get the episodes delivered to you. We publish them on a Wednesday every two weeks, and we've managed to keep to that cadence all the way through, so it's pretty consistent uh, with perhaps a slightly longer break over the, uh, over the holiday period, but that still seems a long way away. So let's get back to today, and uh, I want to introduce our guest. Uh, we're going to be talking about Wi-Fi today and uh, an interesting new feature development uh, from Meraki, uh, which I think is going to make uh, Wi-Fi, our Wi-Fi proposition even more compelling uh, than it already is. Uh, so to help get us into that conversation, I want to introduce uh, Neil Kulkarni. So Neil, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you, Simon. And uh, I feel really special to be your guest in person after two two year hiatus. So, yeah, this is special. Thank you. Yeah, it's amazing, and uh, it, it it definitely helps because, uh, as I'm sure I don't need to tell anybody who's listening, it's so much easier to have a conversation when you're actually sat in front of somebody. Webex is wonderful, of course. It's helped to keep us connected through the difficult times we've been through. Uh, but there's no substitute for the body language sharing and the just being able to make eye contact as you're as you're talking, you know, just like real people having a conversation. So that's what we're about today. Uh, Neil, tell us a little bit about uh, yourself. I'd love to hear about your background. You know, how did you come to Meraki? What were you doing before that? And, and what do you do for us now? All right. Uh, again, thanks, uh, Simon, for having me. And, and uh, you know, greetings to the audience who's, who's tuned in. Uh, my name is Neil Kulkarni. I'm a senior product manager here uh, with Meraki's wireless LAN team. Mm -hmm. uh, been with Meraki now uh, actually three years uh, this August. Wow. And uh, prior to Meraki, I was, uh, I've been in the wireless industry now for a decade plus. Uh, been uh, with the Aruba Networks. Uh, mm, I've I heard of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a small world. Uh, yeah. and, and I actually started there uh, leading the competitive team. Mm -hmm. So have have watched uh, Meraki ah, closely right. even, even before the acquisition uh, from, from Cisco. And prior to that, uh, I was actually in the East Coast uh, in uh, Maryland, mm -hmm. where I, I graduated from my master's in wireless communications and was with uh, Hughes Network Systems, which is a satellite networking provider. So I would say my journey has been uh, mostly in the wireless space one way or the other yeah, uh, and core networking technologies. So you've really seen the journey for Wi-Fi all the way through, right? And, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, when we were preparing for this episode, we were talking about some of the early days and some of the early technologies. We've both been around for a while, um, it sounds like. And, and what a great way to learn about uh, which vendor you want to join next by joining the competitive team, 
Uh, well, that that was definitely not what I was looking for in the team, but you know, it's it's interesting of how the journey played out. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thanks very much for taking some time to join us, and I'm really excited to get into this feature uh, that we want to talk about. Um, so I think to set the scene before we get into the details of what it is that we've we've uh, implemented, let's uh, wind the clock back and just paint a picture of the type of technology that we're mostly focused on today. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, it, it's interesting. Uh, everybody starts the, the journey and talk about uh, wireless with, you know, this whole thing of look what Apple did back in the day. But I want to I mm. take you back in time and, and tell you this thing which I saw happen real time. I was, I was there for a conference. Uh, and and I want to say this is 2013, uh, okay. back in 2013 sometime. And uh, at that point, you know, the thing that everybody looked at in the conference, which was eye-opening, was how many screens lit up when they were in a keynote mm. or, or how many phones were held up when they were in a keynote because that was not the norm right. to have that kind Very of new. room light up in, in complete darkness. Mm-hmm. Uh, around us, right? And and that was the the advent of talking about density starting to show up right. in in the Wi-Fi space, where it was all you know never a world where Wi-Fi was primary. Right. Uh, before that, so yep. so that was interesting. And and with that, uh, some of the things that started to happen is technologies at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, of of just how people interacted. I mean, look at the curve of. Uh, I think just this year I, I read an article where it the the trend of cable people who actually had cable at home to who have switched to internet based TV has now crossed right that curve where broadcast, now there is exactly TV versus on demand right right, right? so yep. so that just shows how how pervasive internet based technologies have been at home mm-hmm. uh, and with that it's these these devices that have enabled that journey right be it apple tvs be it chromecast be it roku players be it amazon you know uh, hd's name you name it right mm-hmm. uh, and and so i think that's really been uh, what's seen uh, and taken over even sono speakers i mean all of those things that are, that have come in the home environment yes and it's all wireless now right it's, I mean, it's yeah like i mean they said, don't even have was... any other way to connect it's, it's primarily I know. wireless it's amazing isn't it because because i remember that crossover point when uh, i was still plugging a rj45 into my laptop you know because i still believed that that was the better way to get performance but we really passed a threshold at some point mm-hmm. didn't we where the where the, that wasn't a concern anymore and then we were we were living the dream from then on all wi-fi exactly yeah. exactly so these devices um, that you're talking about, as you say, they're Wi-Fi first. Uh, and so I think one of the areas that uh, that we want to focus for on for this episode is how do they find each other? How do they work together? Because uh, once, we've, once we've established that everything is on the Wi-Fi, then, of course, we want to make life easier for people. So the home environment is actually, I think, a really good place to talk about that. So just walk us through that. You mentioned Apple. I mean, that's a good way to start, I guess. Yeah. I mean, just just see how second nature it's been uh, now to be able to find something on your phone because it's easy and convenient to, you know, just interact with your phone as, as a touch, touch device. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you find a video or what have you, or, or even a music that you want to stream that you've found, you can now start casting that on a screen in front of you. Right. Or just start playing that over whichever speakers in the room you're in, mm-hmm. right? And that is enabled by this dis- discovery mechanism known as different things over, over yes. the period of years, you call let's, it. Let's talk about some of those names as well, because uh, <laughs> there might be some people who recognize some of the pr- pr- names that have been used. Yeah, for I mean, this the, over I mean, the, the popular ones have been like Bonjour. Uh-huh. And and then you know I think you mentioned this at the beginning of of you know our, our discussion when we got in the room 
of uh, zero cons. Zero cons, that's right. Right. Yep. I mean, I don't think anybody remembers that. It's 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 been it's been a while. Yep. Uh, but or MDNS, you know, that's that's the mm -hmm. geeky way of saying it. Uh, but all of these are essentially protocols that were de developed uh, for easy discovery on the same network that you're in at home mm -hmm. uh, to find your your own devices and be able to quickly share uh, and interact with them. Right. And and I know, I mean, within the home, it may, of course, it makes perfect sense and it scales effectively within a home. I mean, I, I say that, but of course, we've got quite a lot of devices at home now. Um, but, but I think... The, the way we take this conversation forward from here is we talk about some of the challenges that we run into, especially when we bring that into a really high-density environment like the workplace. And and I know that, uh, for example, Meraki has had a solution around um, handling bonjour uh, and, and enabling that to spread through the building. And just remind us about that feature and why it's needed. Right? Absolutely. So, you know, the basis of these protocols are they're meant to be operational uh, and again, getting a little geeky here, on the same layer two domain, which means on the same VLAN or, right. or you know, underlying infrastructure, which is which is common to a same subnet. Mm -hmm. uh, and that happens great because it's multicast, right? right? But the moment you cross the layer two boundary to a layer three subnet uh, or a different network, uh, these don't, don't traverse across them. And right. so you need something to convert that. So for that, Meraki's always had the Bonjour gateway, mm -hmm. as it's called, uh, to let these protocols be stitched uh, between right. different VLANs on the network so that, you know, if somebody wants to discover something on another VLAN, then we facilitate that. Right, right, right. So so that's that's uh, the starting point, really, for us, is solving that, um, that's that challenge of how do you get these advertisements for device discovery between different um, VLANs or network segments. So what are the other challenges around scaling that uh, that we need to try and solve? Yeah, I mean, the, I think the, the the biggest challenge really around scaling has been in any shared environment. I mean, you think about, uh, you know, going to a hotel or you think about students who go into dorms uh, mm -hmm. for, for semesters and studying uh, or even, you, you know, try going to an airport uh, for all that matters. Uh, and, and if you try to do the same discovery that you do uh, at home in these environments, one of the two things will happen. Uh, one is uh, you'll either see... Uh, hundreds of devices show up yep. and you'll be all confused in terms yes. of which is my device because some of them, some people don't even name their own devices. So it'll just show up as Apple 1, Apple 2, Apple right, 3. Right, and that's it's right. like, okay, yep. which which is my device, right? Yep. So so that's a concern both on the privacy and security front. Mm -hmm. Or the second thing is the network admins have taken the extra effort to clamp down everything and so you don't land up seeing anything. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't even see your own devices. Uh, so that's the other extreme. And, and I think both of those are problematic because it breaks your natural expectation of what is set Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of how you interact and, and behave at home with, with these devices. Right. Yes. So the experience, you, you get used to with a certain experience at home. But like you said, um, if everybody goes out and they've all got the same stuff, it's like, it's like uh, I mean, this was very common for many years where everybody, you could tell people who are not super tech savvy because they had the standard Nokia ringtone on their on their phone, right? And yeah. you just heard it everywhere. And of course, your head turns. So yeah, it can, it can be a big mess. Uh, when it gets to scale, um, it, it, what about security? I mean, there's, that's that's another component here as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, it is. Uh, I think Apple has actually tried to do some things here, at least on the security front, where they try to password protect some devices where even if you mm -hmm. discover it, you might not be able to share to it. But the fact that you've discovered it is bad enough. 
right uh, right and and it's it's confusing enough in some cases it might be a default password nobody's bothered to change so i can actually take over mm. uh, right and right. and so all of these things are problematic both on the security front and and privacy front yeah and you can certainly easily imagine that in a uh, well, I mean, a dorm room would be a classic example, I'm sure. Lots of lots of uh, you know young adults who've uh, who've had this l- luxury of all of these <laughs> cool tools at home, and then they come into, uh, but they may not be that tech savvy, and then they come into um, into their uh, dorm environment, and then suddenly everybody else has got exactly the same expectations and uh, probably the same defaults, like we said, and and then you're running into uh, into some challenges there. So so how has the industry responded to this? How have we tried to address? Uh, this? What have been some of the, the sort of solutions that people have come up with? Yeah, and I think, you know, uh, to be honest, I think industry has actually been at the, f- the forefront of, this, you know, trying to solve this, right? This mm-hmm. is not a new problem uh, that's come to light. It's been around for, I would say, maybe four or five years or more. Right, for sure. Uh, but but the, the issue has been in the way the industry has tried to solve it has been to try to solve for everything in, mm-hmm. in terms of all scenarios. And when you do that, one of the challenges that, that we have seen in the market is the complexity of what it takes to actually solve this and implement it and interact from an end user perspective is too complex and, mm. and too high for adoption in terms of overhead for network admins. So I'll give you an example. Uh, the way it's currently solved by some of our competitors is you go into a, a dorm room, for example. Mm-hmm. The experience of a student would be they get thrown into some kind of a portal yep. uh, and they log into it. And then they're asked to register the MAC address of the devices that they want to bundle together in this, you know, right. common group of whatever you want to call it, right? Yeah. Personal, personal devices, right? Yep. Now the challenge is twofold. One is I don't like I don't think all users are savvy to discover where their Mac is, For what sure. their Mac is. Absolutely. Then the the aspect of actually even if you discover it, then you have to type that whole thing in because there's no easy way to input it, which means you could fat finger it. Yeah. And now with everything that Apple and Android has been doing, you have the concept of Mac randomization. Oh, so yes. even if you register it, it might not actually be the one that <laughs> shows up. So yes, imagine point. imagine what kind of frustration this is going to be for the network admins if somebody complains, I can't discover my device because now I'm like, what am I chasing? Chasing my tail. Yeah, yep. uh, And for the user, because they have done all this effort to actually plug in the information and yet they can't see the devices. Right. Yeah, that that could be messy. I'm, I'd completely forgotten about that. The sort of Mac authentication side of things is, you know, it's a great idea, and of course, it's worked for many years. But uh, with the randomization, that's that sort of virtually goes out the window, really, yeah, doesn't it? It does. It does. So okay, so we need something a little bit more creative. Uh, so the 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 challenge there is obviously how do we try and make it easy for users and easy for administrators, which of course has been the uh, the main uh, focus for uh, for Meraki for, for for years and years and years. So how have we brought Meraki to solve this problem? How have we simplified this challenge? Absolutely, and and that's the the, the challenge that we took on as a team, right? Which is yeah, we don't want to necessarily just bring out a solution to be in the space because others have a solution. Mm-hmm. We want to, if we want to bring out a solution, it needs to solve the fundamental complexity that exists out there. Right. And with that as the target uh, for solving, the team really stood up to it and, and, and did something innovative. I think what we landed up discovering is uh, it's, it's important for the user to have the experience that they're used to. Meaning not just of discovering the devices, but also being on the network Mm-hmm. the way they're naturally used to, right? Not by registering a MAC address and so on and right, so forth. Sure. So with that in notion, the, the natural thing was, okay, how do you connect at home typically? Mm-hmm. You set a password yep. for your home network. 
Absolutely. And you enter that on those devices and off you go. Mm -hmm. So we we extended that and said, okay, why don't we do something unique where we already have an underlying technology that lets you have multiple passwords on the same network mm -hmm. or same SSID. Right. We said, we'll take that because that gives the same user experience or maintains that user experience where each user gets their own password and they use that for all their devices. Mm -hmm. But then we did the Meraki magic on the back where we automatically now know which devices connected to the network using the same password and right. automatically group them into user's personal network. Uh -huh. And that's where the concept of Wi-Fi personal network was born because it stitched both of these concepts together where we are not only giving the user the same experience, but also solving the problem of giving them the personal LAN experience on a shared network. I love it. I mean, <laughs> that's ridiculously simple. Like it's <laughs> it's so elegant when you think about it. So I can imagine this aha moment when the team <laughs> came up with this. It must have been quite fun. Um, the the uh, interesting component there, of course, uh, just to recap, make sure I understood it correctly, is I, I certainly remember from configuring uh, Meraki devices myself that you have the option of multiple SSIDs. And of course, you set up a different password for each one of those. So, so we have those concepts and we've essentially just managed to figure out how to make multiple passwords work on a single SSID. Exactly. Uh, so that you can create, it's, it's essentially you're creating a, a form of virtual network That's at right. that point, right? That's, That's right. just bound by the, uh, by the password. Interesting. Right. And you know, some, you know, one of the things also before this, right, there were other ways to solve this where people used to try and get users on, mm -hmm. but then automatically assign a different VLAN to them. Mm, and in yes. a sense, it kind of does that. But if you see the network admin side, it's not pretty because now you've created these multitude of VLANs that you need to plumb right. uh, into the system and manage, yep. right? But with WPN, we're not we're not mandating any of that. It's like, it's the same VLAN that exists on your common network. Nothing needs to change. Mm -hmm. We are doing the secret sauce in the back right. to, to form that on top of the same VLAN uh, for the users to be in their personal network. That's very elegant. And uh, yeah, I mean, we you're right. We talked about uh, scale and and uh, one of the scaling numbers that vendors have loved to throw about around over the years has been, um, oh, we can do 4,000 VLANs. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Who wants to administer that? I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm guessing not too many people out there want to do that. So that's fantastic. Uh, so, so you've explained a little bit about about the the, the nature of the solution. Uh, so, you know, maybe if we if we dig into just the next level of detail a little bit, so like what's going on behind the scenes that we can share. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at, at the fundamental level, like I mentioned, right, uh, VLAN is the common construct that exists, mm -hmm. and that allows these these transmissions to go everywhere. But we are we are at the access layer, so we see all of these transactions on the access point. Right. And since we have a cloud-managed solution, we are leveraging the cloud uh, in our solution as well to make sure that we are adding that intelligence, where once we see these transactions, we know which device is connecting. So without knowing the MAC address, mm -hmm. we can still figure out that this device used the same password to connect. Right. So it automatically ties into the same user. Right. And then we do the, the backend to make sure that those devices are just part of the same isolation group uh, on top of the VLAN. That's um, fantastic. Uh, so what does that look like for end users? I think I think you've explained it, but, but uh, let's just clarify. If I'm a user and I... 
and I'm using this technology, am I even aware it's there? What do I see? Yeah, I mean, so from an end user perspective, you really don't need to do anything. You just need to know your own password mm -hmm. uh, to log on to the network. And that can be done in a multiple of ways, right? So from the simplest, uh, most rudimentary way, it's somebody just shares the password with you, maybe mm -hmm. as an email that when you onboard yep. uh, or get onto whatever network you're on, be it dorm rooms, be it hospitality, be it even shared office spaces, yep. you know, different environments, same use case. Uh, some way to share that password. Uh, one of our, our partners have gone to a more elegant way of doing it, where the users can log in with their own credentials, like mm -hmm. I mentioned in the previous, mm -hmm. but now I get a QR code sent to them and okay. they can just use that to get onto the network right. and they can self-serve to reset the password. So it's not the network admins completely out of the way once this is set up because they don't have to manage the passwords, oh, they don't wow. have to update the passwords. That's all self-served. We have made that so easy. And and uh, I mean, you're right, we have the technology on our phones to be able to share uh, wireless passwords, for example, and that's fine. Basically what we're saying is we're putting all of this in the hands of the users and they, they get to determine who they want to be in this virtual network, essentially, exactly for device discovery. So um, somebody's got, I don't know, an Xbox or something in, this, in the dorm room and, and they want their buddy to be able to play with that, then they can share the network to get connected and discover that, that, uh, that Xbox. Exactly, and it's no different than, again, your home environment, right? When somebody comes to your home, how do you get them onto your network? You just you share their password. Yep. Same thing. Then they can see all the devices. This is this is going to make life so easy for so many people, and I can imagine a lot of people listening. Uh, they're thinking, "I want this at home. Never mind. <laughs> never mind in the office." Uh, so you know, uh, other than device, I mean, I certainly what I appreciate in in what you're saying here is that now when I open up my discovery list, I'm not going to be bombarded with a whole bunch of devices that I don't recognize that are of no interest to me whatsoever. So I'm 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 essentially it's almost the same thing as cutting down your collision domain, right? That's so right. Suddenly you've got this nice clean, uh, clean little environment that you're working on. So, are there any other benefits that this brings? I'm thinking about because um, we, we we're mostly talking about just being able to discover devices, but there's another aspect to this as as well, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you a couple of things come to mind, right? One is in terms of I, I actually didn't mention this; it comes to my mind, which is. In the scenario where you had to register your MAC addresses, yep. that was typically presented to you as soon as you joined the network for the first time because the network didn't know you, mm -hmm. know your device, right? Mm -hmm. And so that works fine for devices that have screens, be it laptop, be mm -hmm. it uh, iPhone. But what about Apple TVs? There is no screen. Right. What about Xboxes? There's no screen. So, so headless devices like that, it's a challenge mm -hmm. because you don't have a way to get onto the network first and, and get that presented to you. Versus password is simple. When you join the network, you just put in the password you're on, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so so that's really where, where that ease of, of sharing comes through. Right. Uh, remind me, what was the question you're getting at? I was around other benefits. I, I think the one that I'm thinking about is, you know, are there any implications from a security perspective, for example? 100%. So one of the challenges in these environments uh, has been that you either have an open network and mm -hmm. typically people think, oh, I put in a captive portal so it makes it more secure just mm -hmm. because I had somebody enter a MAC address. Not really. Because the, the, the fundamentally the network's still open and right. everybody can still you know do attacks or even scan all the traffic because it's in clear text going mm -hmm. to the access point. So with this, since it's password protected, 
you have en- encryption on all of your traffic right. yes. uh, going through. And then the other dimension of security is, of course, since only you discover your devices, nobody else is about able to discover them. Mm-hmm. So that's the piece of privacy and security that gets solved along with that as well. Yeah, and I, I can certainly see advantages to that because we think about public Wi-Fi, for example. Exactly. And, and, and we're always, you know, the, the fear mongers are out there telling <laughs> us we all have to be on VPNs all the time because... Uh, who knows who's who's discovering your device and potentially up to no good. So sounds like that's a, certainly a way of, of cutting it down. If you don't see it, then how are you even going to know that that's something you want to attack in the first place? So that's, uh, that's very, very elegant indeed. Absolutely love it. Um, how has this been adopted and built on by our technology partners? Because uh, obviously, I mean, what you've described is beautifully elegant just on its own, never mind about any anything else. But there's always more. Our partners are very creative, right? They come up with some great ways of expanding on uh, what we do, what we give them as a vendor. So what, what what have we seen there? Yeah. So, you know, this is this is where it gets interesting, right? Because we are the platform player, right? Like we have, we have now set the platform up for, for our partners to innovate. And we are exactly seeing that where we're seeing a lot of interest from some of the partners now come to us and innovate on top of it. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, one of our close partners, uh, an exclusive partner, they would say uh, Splash Access, mm-hmm. uh, in the space has, has done things like automated the entire password management and lifecycle management of the user mm-hmm. by integrating with property management systems okay. or resident management systems okay. where, for example, a student's going to be in this dorm for one semester or two semesters or three semesters. That's all data that's known in the resident management systems. Mm-hmm. So they now integrate with those and automatically set the user in the domain Right. By creating their account or deleting their account based on that information. Mm-hmm. So again, network admin doesn't have to have that overhead of managing this entire life cycle as semesters roll over, as students roll over, mm-hmm. as new students intake happens. All of that just flows through one common system. Yep. And as long as that is right, everything else flows right. I, I'm, I always love hearing about these stories um, of what the technology partners do because it's like we're providing the foundation and, yeah. uh, for the building and then and then you want everyone's buildings want to look different they've all got some special feature they want to have uh, in that and that's where i think the tech partners really add so much value and we've actually had splash access on the podcast uh, before i can't remember which episode now but <laughs> they were definitely on here telling their story around um, you know student registration and uh, and how they make that easier and connect it to, obviously to the the network infrastructure so that was super interesting and i guess this is a good opportunity for me to put a plug out there for uh, for anyone who's listening who's from a technology partner uh, you know, if you if you are uh, building on Meraki technology, I mean, we'd love to have you on these episodes because it gets so real at that point. We get to talk about something real, and we're we're talking about um, you know this uh, this technology partner Splash Access, who's who's done this for is thinking about this in the education space. But then there's so many other verticals, there's so many other use cases out there, and uh, it's digging into those that I think uh, is really good fun to talk about. So let yeah, me know. And, if you have and any to ideas. add, right? I mean, they are not only again restricting themselves to education; they are seeing it gain traction in other verticals as well. Right. Be it from shared office spaces to, in fact, one of the ones that surprised me was a mine, mm-hmm. <laughs> a mining operation where different contractors come in at different okay. times and they want to be able to give those contractors unique access uh-huh. uh, with their own devices and their own access privileges that they can do with these passwords. Uh, one other thing is, by the way, all of this is based on 100% standardized APIs. There's no custom work here. Uh-huh. So for any technology partner that wants to come and integrate and, and add value, uh, this is a platform that's open and, and right. they can definitely you know, 
Yes, are welcome. And, essentially. Yeah, it's great to have that reminder because uh, I mean, we, we as an organization, we switch to a kind of an API first mentality, and we and we make sure that everything new that we build uh, has. You know, has an API hook that we can we can uh, that we can use or that others can use to to help build on that foundation we talked about. So it's great to talk about that, and it's also good to hear that uh, that that particular partner is looking at other use cases as well. So thank you, I learned something there. That was that was good. Um, all right, so I I think this is I mean it's so straightforward. We we basically uh, I think in a nutshell we've we've captured what it is that and it's called wireless personal networks. That's that, right. Wi-Fi w- personal networks. And if you like your three-letter acronyms, WPN. Yeah. There you go. It's perfect. <laughs> it sort of trips off the tongue. Um, but we're, but ultimately, it's helping us to solve uh, some of the challenges around uh, Wi-Fi. And uh, I know we talked about earlier on about how uh, the early challenges in Wi-Fi are all about speed and performance mm-hmm. and, and trying to get that right and get it up to the standard so that you didn't need a wire anymore. Uh, but the other, the other challenge, of course, is around density. And we've talked about an example of solving that with WPN, Wireless Protect per, Wireless Personal Networks. I get this right, um, and then, uh, but I think that's also an opportunity to to just do a recap and think again about um, other areas where we've been trying to solve density challenges. So let's let's get into that again because it's so important. I think this is such an interesting development that's happening this year. We should we should certainly make sure we recap on it again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, for all the listeners, right, uh, I'm sure by now most of them have heard about 6E mm-hmm. uh, as a technology. But, but you know, the thing that, if, especially if you've not been in the Wi-Fi industry and following it for decades like I have now at this point, uh, the thing that's not immediately apparent is up to Wi-Fi 5, which is not that long ago, mm-hmm. uh, the entire conversation around Wi-Fi uh, in terms of new standards that came out was around speeds and feeds. Uh, yes. of how, how is Wi-Fi now able to replace your wired access and how do you right-size your uh, wired network so that Wi-Fi becomes the primary access, right? Mm-hmm. But Wi-Fi 6 really changed that conversation. Uh, it's it's went away from talking so much about speeds and feeds to really solving for density, to solving for how do you make Wi-Fi more efficient mm-hmm. uh, to handle density. Uh, and that's simply because of the, the wild adoption that Wi-Fi has had and wild success Wi-Fi has had uh, in the industry. But one thing that everybody doesn't realize is, yes, Wi-Fi 6 does that, but your channels, which is your lanes, highway lanes that are available to you, yep. uh, 2.4, I, I don't even want to talk about that because for the most <laughs> most part, it's it's not even practical in any density environment. Right. So 5 gigahertz, right? Um, you, you still have only so many highway lanes to go by. Mm-hmm. And with 6E, that's the thing that's fundamentally changed, which is, you know, just to just to draw a parallel, if you take 80 megahertz channels today uh, in, in uh, 5 gigahertz, right? I would say you have two highway lanes. Mm-hmm. And with Wi-Fi 6E, you have 14 highway lanes, yeah. which means you're seven times more capacity, right. one for one. It's huge. And, and, and the difference is, it's not just the number of lanes, it's a clean spectrum that's coming in too, which means mm-hmm. not only do I have more spectrum to use, so I can default bigger bandwidths, so I get higher data rates, which mm-hmm. transmit to higher throughput, so that's the speed aspect. But I get lower latency and jitter, which is critical, super critical for automation use cases, mm-hmm. be it manufacturing. Uh, you know, because the, of the lower because, density. Exactly. Right. Right. So, so you know, think about this. Why there are conversations happening about uh, private LTE, for example, 
and why is that attractive to some 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 uh, verticals is because of the reliability that it it, it promises right mm-hmm. but i would say i would challenge saying 6 gigahertz band really is is going to give you that because right. it's a clean spectrum it's got the bandwidth and as long as device support comes through which i hopefully this september we'll hear something well yeah we're, it's starting to happen isn't it exactly yep. uh we will we will see a, a ga- i think it's it's really you know a mind shift and a game shift i mean mm-hmm. even in higher ed which we were talking about before right uh one of the key topics that comes up is esports right. and a lot of cios are really focused on that in terms of giving that experience and how is all of that going to come together right mm-hmm. it, those are those that is where i think the the promise of wifi 6e really comes which is extending what is there with wifi 6 as as the efficiency factor mm-hmm. and bringing it into the 6 gigahertz where you have the bandwidth where you have the clean channels to t- take advantage right. of it and it's the number of channels that i think is a particular ad- a step forward because i remember a conversation very much like this when we went from 2.4 to 5 gigahertz yeah. <laughs> oh look at all this new unused spectrum nobody's on there let's all go to 5 gigs so everybody went to 5 gigs and now 5 gigs gets busy um you had more channels on 5 gigs sure but but it's still Uh, still a finite number but now we've we've got that many more non overlapping channels so we exactly. can we can really get that density how many is it again how many channels so 80 megahertz like Because i said you get 14 right. uh, which which translates to i think 59 in the 20 megahertz space wow okay that's a, that is a game changer for sure cuz cuz i mean that's a, that's a much bigger step forward than even 2.4 to 5 5 gigahertz um we did cover uh the the innovation of 6e and the brand new access points from meraki uh, that support that standard uh and i'm I, i did look this up beforehand episode 74 so if you're interested in learning uh, more about 6e and what meraki's doing about it then do go back and check that one out because uh, we we certainly had a good conversation there um but but what might have changed since then i don't know um, neil whether you you're familiar but I know that the world was in the process of gradually standardizing because it it was still sort of early days I think even 6 months ago. Uh are you aware of any sort of recent developments in terms of uh, in terms of global adoption for Well I I I'll tell you the biggest change that has happened since that podcast. We now have a full lineup of indoor 60 access points to offer from the Meraki Meraki stable. Uh, we have top of the line MR fifty seven, and uh, going all the way to a two by two, which is our uh, CW ninety one sixty two. So all of those have have happened, and I think if if anybody is our fans and have participated at Cisco Live, they would have seen the the three new APs that got launched there, uh, mm-hmm. along with MR fifty seven, which was already there. Yeah. Okay. We're all about this, and uh, <laughs> and just in time. I mean, this is the good thing. Uh, obviously, it, it must be frustrating if you're in the business of deploying wireless access points because the standards have certainly been moving forwards, you know, fairly fairly frequently. Um, let's be honest; that's never going to change. I mean, that, that's just where we are with technology, and so you jump in when you can, uh, and when it's time for a refresh. I mean, really, now it's a six E is just a no brainer at this point, right? I mean, as you've said, the the, the ability to really solve that um, that channel density problem is uh, is largely addressed at this point so i i'll be i look forward to the day when we're talking about a technology that surpasses 6e significantly in this space sounds like it could be a way a way to go yeah i mean i mean the way this technology field evolves i don't think that day will be too far out but yeah uh, at this point uh, 6e is is definitely the one that that you should future proof networks on uh, especially if you're looking to buy something and and refreshing your network yeah 
and and as we've said, the devices are starting to come along. I think uh, you know when this podcast goes out, we're going to be on the cusp. I think of some industry. We have we have the sort of the, all the big tech announcements happening in the fall with lots of new devices coming out, sort of uh, you know, smartphones, tablets, and and laptops, and so on. So watch out there because you're going to see uh, vendors starting to adopt uh, 6e much more broadly, and uh, and so really it's it's hitting prime time now. So good time to do that recap. So thanks for going through that again, Neil. Uh, uh, and and really, I mean, I think we've covered two phenomenal examples of how Meraki is helping to address the challenges of scale. And and I mean, I I just love the simplicity part. I mean, that's that's why we're here, right? That's why we joined this organization in the first place. And and WPN is a phenomenal example, I think, of how we've uh, simplified a, a challenge and just made it seamless for the for the end user. So. Really amazing and, and, you know, work by the team. I think you know more than more than having to talk about the technology. I think as a product manager, quite honestly, the proof of anything that's that's successful or not, and whether it's it's the right fit or not, is is in adoption. Yes. And the fact that with WPN, even before it actually went beta, forget GA, it, mm-hmm. it's beta. We had eighty customers deploying it and doing POCs with it, mm-hmm. and I think that to me is 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 the real thing that talks about yes, there is demand, there is fit, right. and people are seeing value with it. Right? Yes, there's enthusiasm there, and uh, and of course that's a very nice way to segue to the uh, the call to action uh, for uh, for this episode, which would definitely be uh, get, you know you need to try this out, and and if you have these kind of environments and you want to make life easier. Uh, for be it students or customers, whatever it is, or just your employees. You know, this is this is probably a very good time to be looking at uh, the, the technology that can drive this. And of course, I'm guessing WPN. I mean, this is something we can retrofit to a, a bunch of earlier access points. Is that is that? Yeah, fun? absolutely. Yeah. I mean, anything that's able to take advantage of our latest and greatest uh, Wi-Fi firmware, Router 29, which is out right now, mm-hmm. uh, and an access point is capable of running it, you absolutely have this feature on. Okay, so it's it's a it's a it's a call to action for everybody listening who's uh, running a Meraki network is uh, give it a try. And uh, let us know what you think. We'd love to hear the feedback always and uh, and tell us uh, what else you need us to fix because um, we need to keep this team busy, obviously. Neil, thank you so much for uh, for joining us on the podcast today. Um, you know, we've covered a simple topic, but I think a really powerful one. It's, it's, it's simplicity is its power. So uh, thank you for, for your time. Really appreciate it. And, and Simon, thanks for having me and, and all the listeners who tuned in. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Thank you very much for for joining and listening to Meraki Unboxed. Uh, As I said at the beginning, every two weeks. So, you know, you're listening to this one and in two weeks from now, there's going to be fresh content. And we've got a bunch of stuff in the uh, in the archive, which, uh, you know, as I as I've said a few times, uh, it's aged very well. There's not much that's actually out of date at this point. Um, So lots of good content to go back and listen to, not just on the tech. We focused mostly on that today. But the last episode, for example, we we interviewed uh, a Moroccan who you know moved to the United States, changed their life, and you know the the story of gratitude and appreciation and the cultural adoption of uh, the new country and also this organization has been very interesting. Uh, made for so a really interesting uh, conversation actually with some good thoughtful ideas for 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 your own sort of career journeys and life journeys whatever they look like so we cover it all on meraki unboxed and uh, we'll be back with more of that in two weeks so uh, until then it's time to say bye for now and we'll see you again very soon bye for now 